I am so excited to be here. Do you know why I'm excited this morning? Because I am a child of the Most High God. I am a child of the Most High God. I love that song we sang first. How great is the love of the Father. How great is the love of the Father that we should be called children of God. Can you imagine what it would be like to be the son of a king or the daughter of a king or queen? You're pretty ace. How much better that we can be called children of not just any king, but the king of kings. And not just any lord, but the lord of lords. I'm excited to be with you here this morning. I'm excited to share about CAP and what we're about and how we're going to go and change the community in Camden. Well, as, as Steph has already said, my name is Chris. I am the Centre Development Manager uh, for the London South East region. So I work at our head office in Bradford and oversee all of our centres in the London South East. I think there's about 35 centres that I oversee at the moment and Camden is going to be one of those centres. So I'm privileged to be here with you this morning to be able to speak and Steph, thank you so much for allowing me to come up here and speak. Uh, you might not be thanking me afterwards, especially if you don't know what I'm talking about yet. <laughs> I do apologise if I wander around a little bit. It's just... I like to be a bit free when I speak, so it might be like watching a game of tennis, but just, just concentrate, you'll be fine. So first of all, I'm going to talk about the work of CAP and, the, and God's heart for the poor. And we're going to be looking specifically, biblically, about God's heart for the poor and our response as Christians to that, how we need to get involved. I'm going to be using God's word to explain why at CAP we do what we do. And then later on, towards the end, I'm going to ask if you can get involved in some way or other. Maybe financially, maybe to pray for us, maybe to support Nicola and the rest of the team here. So God's heart for the poor. Luke 14, verse 12 to 24, it says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends or relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Psalm 140 verse 12 says, I know that the Lord secures justice for the poor and upholds the cause of the needy. And Deuteronomy 15 verse 7, if there is a poor man among you, among your brothers in any of the towns of the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your poor brother. The main passage I want to to share with you this morning is taken from Matthew 25. So if you've got Bibles and you want to turn to that this morning, it's Matthew 25, verse 31 to 46. And it's entitled, The Sheep and the Goats. From verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right, and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. 
Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me. You who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for you, for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Wow. I don't think this passage can be much clearer about God's heart towards the poor, towards the needy, towards the marginalized, towards the broken, towards those that society shuns and puts away in a corner and tries not to talk about. God is saying, actually those ones that society is throwing over there, I want you to go to them, to look after them, to love them, to feed them, to clothe them. It was one of the last things that he spoke of before he began his journey to the cross. I think it was a pretty important reminder to us. He wanted us to know his heart for the poor. And that we may know his love for the poor. In James chapter 2, it talks about faith and deeds. It says, What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, Go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs. What good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God, good, even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that said, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Faith is just not enough. It's not enough just to say, I believe, I want to help the poor, the needy. I would like to do that. It sounds like a great thing to do. 
But saying it and speaking about it isn't enough. We have to go from talking about it to actually doing it, which is why I'm so excited this morning to hear you've got like a welcome lunch going on. Fantastic. You're meeting a practical need for people. And it's so exciting that you're opening a cap centre because you're meeting a practical need for people. Talking about it is just not good enough. Abraham didn't just say, okay God, I love you, I believe you, I will obey you. He didn't just talk about it because when push came to shove and God said, actually Abraham, I want you to sacrifice your son, whom you love very much, Isaac, on the altar. Abraham didn't flinch. He said, okay Lord, I will go, I will do it. And he set off on what was a horrendous journey ahead of him, up the mountain, knowing all that way that he had to sacrifice his son, Abraham, his son Isaac. I've just had a little baby boy called Josiah. Now, I tell you, when reading that about the fact that Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son, that, wow. I, all I can say is I'm speechless reading that. Wow. He didn't flinch because he was willing to say, actually, you know what? I'm going to combine my faith with my action. The Great Commission is a commandment to go. In Matthew 28, it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore go. It wasn't a commandment to sit. It was a commandment to go. The word means to move, to proceed, to move away from a place. It means there's an action involved. We haven't been called as a church to sit and stagnate whilst the world around us dies. As the church of Jesus Christ in the 21st century, we've been called to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It is so important that we don't, don't just talk about meeting the needs of the poor, but that we are able to actually go and do it. And I want to commend you as a church this morning for wanting to open this Christians Against Poverty Centre, for what that's going to mean for the lives that are going to be transformed. I want to thank you for taking that step of faith to say, actually, we're not willing to sit, but we're willing to go and meet the needs of the people in Camden. Now, someone once said, if you were put on trial for being a follower of Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Well, I don't know about you, but that's a challenge to me. If I was put on trial for being a follower of Christ, would there be enough evidence to convict me?
I don't know. Probably not. Because you know what? I can always do more. I can always be better. But by God's grace, we're able to do what God has called us to do. Where is the evidence then that we're proclaiming of our faith in Christ Jesus? In Matthew 25, when he's talking to the disciples, they can't seem to get, understand what he's talking about. God always loves to speak in parables, but the disciples are like, what? What are you talking about? We don't understand. Because we've never seen you hungry or thirsty. We've never seen you without clothes. We've never seen you in prison. So they can't seem to understand. But God's saying, it's not me. It's the least of these brothers of mine. It's the families out in Camden that are being torn apart at this very minute because debt is crushing them. It's the people in Camden this very minute that are contemplating suicide because they don't know what to do about their situation. It is those people that God spoke about. The disciples just couldn't understand it. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Because it's our actions towards the poor, towards the marginalized. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I'm actually a little bit thirsty. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. You know, it doesn't always seem obvious, does it? But these are very, very, very real problems in our society today. It's very real. Okay, fair enough, people may not be walking around without clothes. But there are families that are hungry. There are families that can't afford to buy new clothes. There are families that just don't know where to turn to because their situation is so bad. But thank God that he has placed the church of Jesus Christ and Christians Against Poverty for such a time as this. That we're not going to stand by and watch all this happen, but we're going to go and we're going to make disciples. And we're going to meet those needs. I was hungry and you fed me. You know what? 67% of our clients have missed meals. How many of you have actually missed a meal? I don't miss many, as you can probably tell. In fact, I probably have more than I should do. But 67% of our clients have actually missed meals. And 22% of our clients miss meals on a regular basis because they are just unable to feed themselves or their families. One in four of our clients actually don't have any food when we get to the home. When Nicola goes out and starts seeing clients, that means one in four of the clients that she sees, all the families, won't actually have any food in the cupboards or in the fridge because they can't afford to buy any. Now that should not be right in the 21st century. It shouldn't happen, but unfortunately it does happen. And thank God that you, together with CAP, are going to be able to go and meet that need. Our budgeting system prioritizes the food. It doesn't prioritize the creditors. They can wait. They've got enough money. 
However, for our clients in the here and the now, we prioritise their food so they can go and buy what they need. We have testimony after testimony of mothers that just have gone without food, that fathers have just gone without food just so their children can eat. I remember a story of our, um, from our Bradford centre and the, the centre manager there, uh, Kate Kelly, She'd gone out to see a client and there was no food, so she took them shopping. I think they went to Tesco's, they just had a, a right laugh, throwing loads of stuff in the, in, the, in the trolley. And you know, these clients had never seen this much food before. And they got home, filled all the cupboards and the fridge, and the mother said to the little seven-year-old girl, you know, choose what you want to eat tonight. She said, no, mummy, let's just look at it. Let's just look at it, because I've never seen so much food. That little girl had never seen that much food in her fridge, in her cupboards. And wow, all it took to bless those people was to go and take them to Tesco's to fill up the cupboards. There are families like this all throughout the UK. Debt is raging throughout the UK. Britain holds two-thirds of the entire European Union credit card debt. We finally found something we are good at doing. And unfortunately, it's not a good thing. Debt is rampant. And this story will be repeated all throughout the UK. This very moment, there are families in Camden. Many, many, many families not just Camden, all over the rest of London, the rest of the UK, that just simply don't know where to look. They're receiving letters and phone calls, thinking, I don't know how to deal with this situation. So I want to thank you as a church for partnering with CAP, for doing what you can do to see these amazing lives changed. I was a stranger and you invited me and I was in prison and you visited me. Debt is isolating. There are countless stories that we hear of all the time of clients that just don't leave the house. They hide behind chairs. They hide behind the sofa. They shut all the doors. They shut the curtains. They don't let the friends and family in because they're ashamed, they're guilty, they're scared. There are people living in darkness living in darkness. Literally living in darkness, but living in spiritual darkness as well. But listen to these amazing words from Isaiah 58. And if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. You know what? When Nicola goes into those homes, the light of God will go with her. The light of the Most High God is going to go with her. It's going to go before her, go with her, and go after her. And those clients are going to be able to experience the amazing love of our God. Our clients are being locked up in their own homes just because they don't know where to turn to. But the love of God is on its way. 80% of our clients in a survey that we did 
said that they lived in fear. But just as Jesus broke into our lives and showed us love and compassion when we didn't deserve it, so he's going to break into the lives of these amazing clients and show them love and compassion and break the isolation. And you know what? Nicola's going to take a support worker with her. She's going to take someone from the church on every visit with her. And they're going to link up with the client to ring them, to do things for the clients, take them out for a coffee, have them over for a meal. How amazing is that? These clients are going to be sat there, sat there thinking, who are these people that they would do this for me? Who are these people that they would show me unconditional love and compassion? You know what? The amount of times that we have story after story of clients that have eventually become Christians just because something as simple as the fact that a support worker was willing to take them for a coffee. A support worker was willing to have them over to their own home for a meal. Because that unconditional love and compassion that we show is only because we have been shown unconditional love and compassion. There are huge, huge health issues caused by debt and poor nutrition, which is associated with not being able to buy enough food or the wrong sort of food. 69% of our clients have sought medical help. So just over two-thirds of our clients have actually been to the GPs, the doctors, to seek medical advice because of their situation. And 40% of those have been prescribed medication, usually antidepressants. But praise God, we have a greater solution than medication. A far greater solution than medication. And this is the one that gets me most of all. This statistic. One in three of our clients have actually contemplated suicide. One in three people have actually thought about killing themselves and taking their own lives just because of debt. Because they're being driven to the point where they don't know what to do or where to turn to. One in three people. Praise God. Nicola is going to be able to walk into those homes with the love of God and with the light of the world and proclaim freedom. Proclaim release. No longer will there be darkness or hiding away or isolation. We can give them solutions to their finances. We can. We're experts at doing that. But we don't just want to give them a solution to their finances. It's temporary, isn't it? This world that we live in as Christians is a temporary world. 
we're merely in the waiting room of what is yet to come. We can give them a solution to the finances. But greater than that, we can introduce them to the amazing love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christians Against Poverty is a 21st century expression and example of God's heart and love for the lost and broken. We pray with our clients. Every client that Nicola goes to see will be offered prayer. How many other places will do that? We invite all our clients to church, to church events, to client events that Nicola will be arranging, where they can come and meet you amazing people and actually see the church is not the church they think the church is. But actually the church are willing to reach out and touch them in their hour of need. And it's not just going to be that client that is affected. It's going to be a ripple effect. It's going to be a ripple effect. Why? Because Jesus is contagious. As soon as that client receives Jesus Christ, their friends and their family will know about it. And it will be a ripple effect. It won't just be one client. It'll be a family. It'll be their friends and their family, their children, their parents. I can say right here, right now, this church will grow. This church will grow through the CAP Centre. You'll see people in here you never thought you'd see in here. I'm not just saying it because I know it's true. I do know it's true. I'm saying it because it's prophetic. It is a prophetic word that this church will grow through the CAP Centre and you will see all sorts of people in this place. It will be chaos. You may already think it's chaos. Oh, you've seen nothing yet. I remember our Bracknell Centre actually contemplating building a smoking shelter outside the, outside the church because that many CAP clients were coming in. I think since they've been, they've been going four years, they've seen about 50 of their clients saved. So the church has grown by 50 people in four years just through that one ministry. And that many people were turning up that were smoking outside and, oh, I need a cigarette. Oh, what do we do? Build a smoking shelter. But you're going to see people in here and they're going to meet with Jesus. But they're still going to have some pretty big needs and issues to work through. So how can you get involved as a church? Well, CAP has grown from... John Kirkby, who founded the organisation just over 14 years ago, he started with a £10 note in his back pocket, his very first donation, and now we're at the point where we have 150 centres throughout the UK. And literally, thousands and thousands and thousands of people every year are receiving the help that they need and have been introduced to the love of God. This year so far, we've had about 350 of our clients saved. Come on, come on. 350 of our clients have been saved this year through the work of the CAP centres. All the glory and honour to our mighty King. Each year, thousands of people are having the burden of unmanageable debt 
taken away from them, lifted off their shoulders. They're able to feed the families, the children. The marriages are staying together as God intended. I'm just going to read a, um, a passage from, from John's book. Uh, John wrote the book, nevertheless, basically it's based on his diary uh, from when he started the organisation. And uh, there's just a, a, a kind of passage in here I want you to, I want you to hear. Just listen carefully. Yesterday morning, Saturday, just as we were setting off for a day out with the girls, the phone rang. It was the same credit card collection company. The lady on the other end of the phone simply carried on where they left off last time. She simply demanded more money. As I explained my plight at the end of each exchange, she simply stated that £10 per month was not enough. I explained I was on a very low income, not eligible for any benefit, and had been paying without missing for five years. Even when I explained that I was facing losing my home over the next few weeks, had no regular income, that I was running a Christian charity working to help the poor, she simply said, more money or we'll take you to court. It's important to understand that having worked in the finance industry for 17 years, I know that the company would get nothing if they took me to court. I know I have been totally honourable in all my financial affairs. However, this lady made me feel like dirt. Not for the first time throughout the last five years, her attitude and threats almost brought me to my knees. What was I supposed to do? I have to admit, I finally lost it. I just could not talk to this lady and the feelings of helplessness, injustice and vulnerability were too much to bear. I had to ask her to ring me on Tuesday when I'd be able to talk to her better and I have to admit I put the phone down. And the important thing to realise here is John knew all the laws, the financial laws inside out. He built many finance companies before he started Christians Against Poverty. He knew that the law was on his side, not the creditor's side. Yet the actions of that creditor and that lady on the phone made him feel like dirt. Made him feel that he was useless and not wanted. Just imagine then for a second, if that's how it made John feel, how does it make someone who feel who doesn't know actually that the law is on their side? Well, we talked about it earlier, didn't we? One in three clients have contemplated suicide. That's how it makes them feel. The church, I want to talk to you this morning and ask you to support Nicola. I want to ask you to pray for her. Nicola's going to need a team of people around her that are going to be able to go out and do visits. They're going to be able to maybe bake a, a cake for a client or take them for a coffee or take them for a meal. A team of people just to ring the client up to see how they're doing. She's going to need a team of people that are going to be intercessors to pray on behalf of the clients. And she'll also need someone who's going to pray for her. She's stepping onto the front lines. God has called her to be his hands and his feet in Camden. And you know what? There's an enemy out there that will not like that at all. She's going to need people to pray for her. 
to lift her up in prayer. And Nicola, I want to talk to you this morning as well. You're going to face some disappointments. I want to be honest with you. You are going to face some disappointments. And you're going to face some, some tough challenges as well. You're going to walk into clients' homes and just not know what to do. You're going to walk in and think, oh my life, how, how do I deal with this situation? But the joy of the Lord is your strength. He is your stronghold. He is your rock and your salvation. He will equip you and enable you and give you every ability to do what you need to do to bring the love of God into these lives and to see them introduced to the local church and the love of God. He will give you everything that you need. And the disappointments that you will see are nothing compared to the joy when that first client will give their life to follow Jesus Christ. And then the second, and then the third, and then the fourth. The disappointments are nothing. Well, I say I want to thank you for what you're doing to partner with us. As a church, I know that you've already dug deep. You've stepped out in faith to partner with us. I want to speak to you as well as individuals this morning. I said earlier on I'd be asking if you can get involved to support us. We've only grown to the point where we're at now because thousands and thousands of individuals have been willing to say, you know what, I want to get involved and help. I'm willing to, to give a few pounds a month to support the ministry so that we can go and reach more lives. The reason I'm here today and that we can open this centre because 12,000 people have gone before and said, you know what, I can give a few pounds a month. So I want to ask you this morning if you'd be willing to support us. On your chairs, you've all got um, one of these postcards. Basically, if you fill out your name and address on this postcard, then I will give you a copy of Nevertheless. Now, this is an amazing read, okay? It is John's story. It's his testimony and his story of how he started CAP and the difficulties that we've had since the beginning of CAP to get to this point. So if you just fill out on here your name and your address and come to me at the end and I'll give you a free copy of the book. But I want to ask you as well, if you can give just a few pounds a month. As a ministry, we don't receive any government funding. To receive government funding, they wanted us to drop the name Christian from our title and to stop sharing the love of God with our clients. To which John said, on your bike. Because fundamentally, that is what we're about. We're evangelists who just happen to be great debt counsellors. That is what we like to say. Our core business is evangelism. But we'll do the debt counselling as well. We'll get you debt free. But we want to see you introduced to the love of God. So we can't receive any government funding. And we only can rely on, on individual Christians that can support our work and say, you know what, I'll give you one, two, three pounds a month, whatever you want to give. If the urge takes you and you want to give thousands of pounds, then please don't fire that urge. <laughs> but all I'm asking you for this morning is just a few pounds. Literally the cost of a cup of coffee a month at Costa or Starbucks or the price of a newspaper. And I'm telling you that that money, that although you may think, oh, it's insignificant, 
actually to us that means everything. That means we can open another centre. That means we can help thousands and thousands and thousands of more people that are in debt, just like the people in Camden that you're going to be able to go and help. So what I need you to do, uh, fill out this card, put your name and address on there and come and see me at the back and I'll give you a, a book. If you are interested and you can give a few pounds a month, and please, I, w- I would absolutely love it if you could just give a few pounds a month to really help us so that we can go out there and see more people. Just tick on there, there's a little box so you're interested in giving. Just tick the box, you don't have to decide the amount. Someone from our head office in Bradford will call you and just take your details over the phone and have a chat with you in the meantime. Uh, if, if you need to chat with partners or whoever, or go, just tick, tick the box and go home and have a chat about how much you want to give. But I'm just asking for two or three pounds a month and that will make such a huge difference to us. We need your support. And together, you know what church? We're going to change the society. You're going to change Camden. They don't know what's coming. They don't know what's hit them. You know what? Praise God. We give him all the glory and all the honour and all the praise. We can call ourselves children of the Most High God. Children of the King of Kings and of the Lord of Lords. There is no greater thing, no greater honour. Thank you, Steph, once again for allowing me to come and speak here today. I want to say thank you as well to uh, Ollie and Lizzie. I don't know if they're here, but they have been absolutely wonderful and allowed us to stay in their flat for the weekend. Um, So thank you so much to both of them. So just come and see me at the back and and come and grab a copy of the book. Just to finish, we're just going to show you um, a DVD, which is our Cap Sunday DVD, um, just to, to inspire you as we finish here.